Welcome, and thanks for tuning in to the Restoration Foursquare Church Audio Podcast. Stay tuned for today's message. Enjoy, and God bless. South Pacific, right above Australia, all right? Because some people, sometimes they go, hey, man, how's Africa and stuff like that? I go, hey, that wasn't Africa. That was, <laughs> that's way down in the, in the South Pacific. But, um, um, but when we, it's the, it's the place that the last known cannibals existed, as in in the 1900s, not that long ago, right? And, uh, and it was a place that uh, Foursquare missionary Mason Hughes came in in the 1950s and and began the, the Foursquare Church there. And, uh, and then we came later on in the 80s because other missionaries had come. They weren't lasting very long because it's a tough place to live. And uh, so they decided to send uh, my, my parents, which means I, I didn't get like, you know, I didn't get any say in that decision. But when I was five years old, but I got to go there and, uh, with my brother and my sister. And then my grandparents were also sent as missionaries at the same time. So it was... So my, my, I actually was on the mission field, and my grandparents were there with me. And, uh, and so it was this kind of this cool thing, because most of the time when you go on the mission field, you don't get any family, right? You're on your own. Uh, and, and so we got to be close to our grandparents. And in that time, uh, just as a kid growing up there for 10 years, we saw uh, a church that was at about 90 churches around the country, and it grew up over 500 churches in that 10 years. And then later on, 18 years later, returning with my wife and kids, because I, I didn't think I'd go back there. I thought I was going to go somewhere else. And yet Foursquare said, no, we want you to go back there. We want you to focus on youth ministry. We want you to focus on helping develop the Bible schools that are training leaders. And so now today, uh, the Foursquare Church in Papua New Guinea has 1,700 Foursquare churches and growing, and they're sending out their own missionaries to all the other nations in the South Pacific. So they have missionaries that are reaching the aboriginal people in Australia. We have Papua New Guinean missionaries in uh, Indonesia, in Solomon Islands, in uh, Tuvalu, in Nauru, in Palau, in uh, a bunch of other little specks on the map that you don't know what the names of those are. The, that you like barely even see on the world map, man, they're sending missionaries to those places. And that's the part that excites me about being part of this family. Because, and, and I, and I want to encourage you just that sometimes, and it's just what happens, man. You go to your church and then and, and you reach out to your community, but you're part of something much bigger that's going on around the whole world. And, and we have our church family that's all these different denominations and believers around the world. And then we have our immediate family, our Foursquare family, where we have 100,000 churches around the world now. We are in over 150 nations. 
And so I, I don't know about you, but in America, you know, I go, hey, what church you go to? I go, oh, I go to a Foursquare church. They're like, what's that? Right? They're like, is that that playground game or what is that? But I go, no, no, no. And then, you know, you explain it. But then, but when you go when, in Papua New Guinea, you go, hey, what church you go to? You go, ah, I'm part of Foursquare. They're like, oh. Because <laughs> they know. Because it's a force to be reckoned with over there. And, uh, and that's the thing, man. We have a global family. You know, I got to be, uh, I got a few years ago, I was in Sri Lanka. We were helping with their national uh, youth gathering. And you have, uh, we had like 800 young people, Sri Lankans right? Sri Lanka, that's a little island on the south tip of India. And, uh, and there's tons of persecution there. But there's one part, there's part of the island that's a little bit safer. And so all these people are gathering together. And you can see the joy that they have because most of their churches are not churches, they're home groups. Because of the persecution, you can't have a church building. Some of their church buildings been blown up, uh, bombed. Some of their pastors been killed. And, and yet, um, and so they meet in homes. They, they got to keep their worship quiet sometimes. But they still do it, right? And then, and then I got to see this, like, all these young, uh, young people at this youth conference where, where they come and then they get to gather with, more, uh, with a bigger group. And there's just this joy in their eyes, like, man, I'm not alone doing this, right? I, I'm trying my best to follow Jesus over here. And yet my, I have brothers and sisters over here that are also doing it. And uh, I just, I just want to give that as an encouragement to you guys, man. We got... We got brothers and sisters all over the world, and they're, they're, they're fighting to follow Jesus, just like you are. And, and so let that be an encouragement to you, that we, we are a growing, uh, uh, diverse, beautiful family. And, uh, and uh, it's, a, it's a wonderful family to be a part of, and I'm proud and honored um, to call myself Foursquare, you know. And, uh, and so it's fun, you know. In, in Papua New Guinea, they're real tribal, so they... They got colors and, and all that stuff. So I, I don't know. I don't think you guys have a four-square flag in here, but they got the, the colors. So, you know, four-square Jesus is the Savior, Healer, Baptized in the Holy Spirit, soon coming King. And, and you, got the, uh, you got the yellow, red, blue, and purple. Man, all their clothing, they just start. They do the colors. They make umbrellas. They make bags. You know, we do uh, Jesus marches through the city, right? Uh, they, they, get, they get real crazy about being four-square, but it's really about Jesus, isn't it? Amen. It's about who Jesus is. And so uh, this morning, just as I was praying for you guys, I felt like the Lord wanted me to bring a message that really focused on the word hope. The word hope. And, uh, you know, we know uh, the scriptures talk a lot about hope. And, uh, and I believe that there's some of you here where sometimes just in your journey, uh, sometimes as you just are struggling, to follow Jesus, and you're trying your best, that sometimes there's this hope that you used to have, and it, and it, it, it kind of like slowly fades without even noticing, and that you can just kind of, and then all of a sudden you just feel maybe depressed or hopeless, or you're just feeling like, man, there's just nothing good about the future that I'm looking forward to anymore, because I got these things that happened, and I thought it was going to go this way, and now my life has gone this way. And it wasn't what I expected. It wasn't what I thought. And so I want to share with you guys uh, this morning. Let's pray. Father, we just, uh, I pray that you would speak clearly to your children. Uh, Lord, I pray that you would speak your word through me and uh, help me not get in the way. 
And uh, Lord, may it be a blessing and an encouragement. May it heal and transform like only you can do. And so we thank you for this time in Jesus' name. Amen. So I'm going to start with a scripture that you guys all know, Jeremiah 29, 11. We know this scripture, but I want to just kind of bring a little perspective on it. It says, for I know the plans I have for you, says, uh, or the thoughts that I think towards you, says the Lord, thoughts of peace and not of evil to give you a future and a hope. And I just want to focus on this word hope for a second, because when the Lord spoke this through the prophet Jeremiah, he was in the middle, the Israelites were in the middle of a 70-year captivity. Okay, they were about 30 years in, was what they estimate, and so they still had another 40 years to go of being captive to another people. And so it's always interesting when the Lord speaks these kinds of things to people where he's not going to set them free tomorrow. Right? They're still going to struggle tomorrow, and yet he is speaking to them very clearly saying, my thoughts towards you is I have a future and a hope for you. I have a future and a hope for you. Now, it's important we understand this word hope because, I mean, we use in English, you know, we use the word hope in a lot of different ways. Like, I hope my team wins. I hope they have good food there. I hope, all right? And that is not the biblical sense of the word hope because the, the American word hope is like wishful thinking, right? It's kind of like I, I wish that it's like this, but that's not what it's like. In the Greek, the word hope, it really talks about an expectation of something that is sure, right? An expectation of something that is solid, that is for sure. It is not a temporary illusion. It is a virtue. It is not a maybe, it is a sure thing. It is not temporal, it is eternal. Because we have lots of hopes that come and go, right? And so this is not, the, this is not that kind of hope. When we talk about the word hope in the scriptures and putting our hope in the Lord Jesus Christ, it is having a positive expectation in something that is sure. All right? It is something that we can count on, it is something that we can depend on, it is something that will not disappoint if we have it in the right way. I was, uh, one of the things about growing up on the mission field, you see, uh, as a kid, you see lots of different things, right? And, uh, and because of revival happening and different things, I saw a lot of things happen in front of my very eyes. You know, I, you're, you're not going to be able to argue with me that there is no God because I just saw too much. You know, I met people that were raised from the dead. I, I, I got to see people get out of wheelchairs and see legs straighten out and limbs straighten out and, and things happen and just hundreds of people come to the Lord, see people be delivered of demonic oppression and witch doctors get saved and all kinds of crazy stuff. But this is the thing. I watched all of that as a kid. And when I moved back to uh, the States, I'd never gone to American school, never... Uh, Never really, I was always told I was an American, but then I'd never really lived with Americans. And so then I finally went, and I, we moved back to Southern California, and I went to a private Christian school in a wealthy area, because where we were living was not, and, and, um, and the church paid for me to go there. So, so I went there, and all of a sudden, I quickly realized I am not American. <laughs> all right? I'd been told my whole life and now I'm 15 years old, and I go ninth grade. It's 
my first time ever to, to uh, American school, and uh, all of a sudden, man, I am struggling. <laughs> right? I'm lonely, and, and I'm crying out to God and going, God, where are you? And, and God gave me a, a vision. Now, when, growing up in, in Papua New Guinea, one of the favorite things that we would do a lot is we would uh, swim in rivers, right? And, and rivers are especially fun if there's been lots of rain, and so then the river's really fast. It's also dangerous, uh, but it was also a lot of fun. We'd go tubing on rivers and all kinds of stuff. So God gave me this vision where I was on the side of the river, and the river was just flowing. And, and you know, the, the way that a river works is that there's kind of this area where the current is moving the fastest, you know, and you can kind of just tell by, if you just stare at it, you go, man, that's the area where the water's really moving. And then on the edge, the water's just kind of, it's kind of still or just moving a little bit. And in this, in this picture God gave me, I was kind of standing in the water, you know, like this deep. And I was just looking at the middle where the water was moving and raging and going, wow, that's really cool. And God said, that's, that's where your walk's been. You standing in the shallow, looking at what I'm doing and going, that's really cool. So when are you going to jump in? And, and that's what, you know, that was a decision time for me. And you know, it can be a word for all of us, though, isn't it? Because a lot of times we can watch what God does. Or we can say, let's be a part of what God's doing. And that's what God's calling us all to do. That's not the pastors and leaders' work. That's everybody that says, I'm a follower of Jesus Christ. Hey, you're part of this. You're part of this, you're part of this cause, the, the cause of eternity, the cause of all, every soul, of every human being, the cause and the need that we, we have uh, people that are lost that need Jesus. And inside of us, the Bible tells us, Colossians 1.27, inside of each one of us is the hope of glory. Let me just read it. It says, To them God willed to make known that what are the riches of the glory of this mystery among the Gentiles, which is, okay, what's the mystery? Christ in you, the hope of glory. Look at the person next to you. Christ, tell them, Christ in you, the hope of glory. Christ in you, the hope of glory. That's who's in us. That's the Christ that is in us. That's the Jesus that is in us. So this is the thing, guys. I, I gotta, I'm, I'm a pretty honest person. I, I've realized, you know, I have two boys. I have a 14-year-old and an 11-year-old boy, beautiful wife, wonderful family. I see my boys, and, and just as I have been praying for them, you know, I really went through a season where I realized that, man, when I look at the world and what happened in the world these days, there's so much stuff going on, so much division going on, so much hate going on, so much, so much discord going on, and, and, and uh, you know, things, things aren't like they used to be in America. The American dream is not as, as reachable as it used to seem. And when I looked at my boys and I looked at the future I got to tell you, in my heart, I did not feel hope. I felt worry. I felt fear. I felt dread. I felt, I don't know, I just complete uncertainty. 
And I realized, and then, and then God goes, what do you think I feel about them? What do you think I feel when I look at them? Because that's the same God that looked at the Israelites in the middle of a captivity that they brought upon themselves because of their disobedience. <laughs> and he was able to look at them and go, I have a future and a hope for you. And so whenever I find that my emotions and my feelings and, and my thoughts, my, my emotionology is not lining up right with God's emotions, then I realize that my theology is also probably not lining up with God's theology, right? That my belief about God is there's something not right about it. And my wrong beliefs had to do with the future. It had to do with tomorrow. That I go, hey, yeah, God, you know, you, you've been taking care of me. You've been faithful so far. And I don't know about you guys. I, I was a missionary, so, so we had to do this thing where you raise support and you live by faith. All right. Now, I had had a salary. I was a youth pastor at a good-sized church in California. It was not a wealthy salary, but it was a steady salary, if you know what I mean. It's the same, the paycheck. I knew what size it was going to be uh, every two weeks, right? And then, and then God says, okay, it's time to go. Oh, okay, that's fantastic. And then, and then I went to Foursquare, and then they were making changes right at that same time. Where they, and they said, oh, all the missionaries have to raise their own support. And I'm like, oh, What? <laughs> You mean, you want me to get in front of people and, like, talk about what God's calling me to do and then ask for money? <laughs> Man, I'm not a salesman, God. You don't know me. <laughs> and it was scary because I have a wife and kids. I mean, I could go live wherever. But, man, having a wife and kids, you just feel that pressure where you go, man, I want to take good care of them. And now, God, you're asking me to live by faith. That's tough. And yet, I was never short on the field. I mean, there were some close calls. <laughs> I won't lie. But my my family always had food. Right? I was I was I was uh, God took care of them. <laughs> and I realized but I realized, man, sometimes I, I can believe God for stuff today, but do I really believe God for tomorrow? You know? I can believe stuff for me, but can I really believe stuff for my family or for others? And if I have the hope of glory in me, then I need to, I need to figure this out. In Hebrews 11, verse 1 and 2, we see that it's the definition of faith, right? We know that faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen, right? Again, another verse that many of us know. But I just kind of want to think about this for a second. All right, let's go back to verse 1. It says the, it's the substance of things hoped for. See, hope is this positive expectation. Hey, I serve a good God. He is true to his word. I believe that. I don't know how he's going to do it. But I'm going to believe that something good, <laughs> he has something good for me. Right? I don't know how. I don't know what. And then, and then what happens is you have hope. You have biblical hope. You have hope in a God that is sure, right, that has substance. And then it becomes specific, right? It turns into faith. Because faith is when you, have, you believe specific things that God is either showing you or that he's speaking to you from his word. See, there's this hope that's kind of this general like, hey, I don't know, but I know God. Right? I don't know what he's got going on. 
I don't know what he's going to do with this situation, but I have hope about it. Right? And then as you are faithful to him, as you obey, as you follow him, then he begins to reveal to you by the Spirit things that you can specifically believe for in faith. You know, when, when we made the decision to go, hey, you know, when, when my wife and I, you know, I was on a missions trip. I had taken a team to Cambodia, which, by the way, Cambodia is an amazing place. I think everyone should go there. We have, I think we have like 6,000 four-square churches there. It's in a 99% uh, Buddhist nation, all right? It's crazy, all right? God has done a, a miraculous revival there. I took a team there, and then that's when God began to speak to my heart because I knew it was coming. I knew God had called me to be a missionary, but I was just waiting for him to just tell me, hey, now's the time. And so I'm in, I'm in Cambodia. I have this group of people. We're doing this stuff with this uh, one of the four-square orphanages over there. And then, and then God goes, now's the time. And I'm like, now's the time? He's like, now's the time. I'm like, are you sure now's the time? He said, now's the time. I said, well, if now's the time, my wife is not here with me. You better be speaking the same thing to her back home. Because it's got to be a joint adventure. And I got to just tell you, if God calls you to be a missionary, he'll call your spouse to be a missionary with you. All right? And if you're the only one called, then there's a problem. Okay? But, uh, and so, and so I got back. We had that conversation. And then it was a, all right, well, I guess we're really going to do this. Because following God takes faith, doesn't it? But we had to have hope for the future first in order to have faith. And then we began that process, and man, things happened. And we, you know, you had to get all these physical checkups uh, to get your visas for the country and all this different stuff. And we took, I took my two-year-old at the time. My boy was two years old, my youngest. We took him to the doctor, and the doctor's like, man, your, your, your kid's got some, uh, some problems. They're like, one leg is significantly shorter than the other leg. And, uh, and the only way that it'd be fixable would be, like, major surgery to cut the bone and add bone in and, like, physical therapy. And, I mean, uh, and they start talking about, you know, years of stuff. And I'm like, God, now? <laughs> right? You said now, but, but look at this. Right? But look at this. And uh, we, we didn't know what to do. And so I started uh, every night, you know, he's still in diapers and all that stuff and so every night I'd come and just start praying for him. And, and then I'd also help Jesus a little bit. While I was praying, I'd pull on his leg. <laughs> In Jesus' name, right? And just pull that leg a little bit. But when God said now, then we, we had a choice. Are we going to look at our circumstances? Or are we going to look at what God's telling us? See, faith is the substance of things hoped for. Hope has to be there first. If you don't have any hope for the future, it's going to be really tough to believe God for anything in your life. We have to believe we have a good God. God is good, we know, all the time. You know, Abraham uh, was a lot like that. Kind of the story I just said. He was promised. He was told, you're going to have a son. You're going to have, you're going to have, you know, your ancestors are going to be as many as the stars in the sky and the grains of sand on the shore. And I just want to read this scripture about Abraham in Romans 4.18. It says, in hope against hope, he believed. 
right? Again, I want to say that again. In hope against hope, Abraham believed. All right? And um, so, who contrary to hope, in hope, believed, so that he became the father of many nations, according to what was spoken, so shall your descendants be. Verse 19. And not being weak in faith, he did not consider his own body already dead since he was about 100 years old and the deadness of Sarah's womb. Verse 20. And he did not waver at the promise of God through unbelief, but was strengthened in faith, giving glory to God. And then verse 21. And being fully convinced that what he had promised, he was also able to perform. All right? This is important. He said he was fully assured in his heart because of, uh, in, the, in the version I have, it says in hope against hope, or as it said here, contrary to hope, in hope. You're like, wait, what does that mean? It's like uh, contrary to what would, we would define as hope, like what you should have hope for in, in the hope in God, right? Hope against hope. He believed the promise that God had given him. And instead of looking at the circumstances of, well, my physical condition as being 100 years old, my body is not able to do, right? And my wife's body, my wife's womb is not able to conceive. But his hope was not in his body's ability to perform. It wasn't in his own strength. It wasn't in his own ability. His hope was in the promise that God had given him. And so we need to be a people that cultivate hope in our own hearts, right? I, I always like to think of our hearts and our souls as a garden, right? That it's a garden where we got to grow stuff, right? And God's calling us to grow the, gar- you know, the fruits of the Spirit, right? He's, he's calling us. So what are we going to cultivate in there? What are we going to plant in there? And one of the things that we need to look after is we need to guard our hope in Christ Jesus, because, because as, as we go out in the world, I don't know about you, all it takes for me is to turn on the news for a few minutes where I feel discouraged, all right? I, I got to do, I got to, I mean, and I'm not telling you, this is not scripture, I'm not telling you not to watch the news, but for me and for my heart and for my soul, okay, I, I got to be careful about it, okay? I, I want to be aware of what's happening in the world, but I also got to be aware of what's happening in my spirit. To go, what is happening to my spirit because of this, right? Because we have so much information and so much discouragement and so much bad news and, and, and stuff that's just being thrown at us. And we don't even know if it's true anymore, right? <laughs> With all the fake news going on and stuff, we don't even know. We need to make sure our heart and our soul is based and resting on something that is true, something that is sure, Right? And so our hope in Christ is so important. Our hope in Christ needs to stay there. And that's that, that's that thing, you know, I heard uh, someone was preaching saying, you know, whenever I walk in a room and I feel like something that my mind is resting upon becomes bigger than the Lord, then I need to, I need to readjust. Yeah. Right? You know, and it could be something as simple as a football game, that if it becomes bigger than the Lord in my heart, yeah. that I need to be careful. I need to look after my heart, right? We have to guard our hearts for it's the wellspring of life. You know, that becomes different. When I was sleeping, I was in one village. We were doing some outreaches way up on the coast in uh, Papua New Guinea, and, and um, they didn't have any water source, so they had a well. But they didn't have a well like the nice ones with the pumps or, or electric pumps or anything like that. 
it was a well that was just this open hole, right? And, and there's water in there. And it's fairly close to the ocean, so, you know, sometimes it gets a little salty. Um, and, uh, and so they have a, they, um, so it's kind of this big hole. Of course, it gets muddy. And they had a fence around it to keep all the village animals out. You know, they had dogs and pigs and different things that they, that they had to keep out because all it takes is just one little thing to get in that well, and then it gets contaminated, right? And so, so when, I, when I saw that, it was like, you know, Proverbs 3.23, and God, all of a sudden it comes, it's like, you know, guard your heart, for it's the wellspring of life. And you go, man, we got to be sure we don't let these contaminants into our heart, into our soul. We got to be careful. We have to guard our hearts, and we have to guard our hope. That should be, that's, you know, that hope of glory that's in us. It should be coming out of us. I mean, out of anybody in this world today, out of anybody in the world, we as believers in Jesus Christ, the hope of glory should be the ones filled with hope. And I'm telling you what, the enemy is at work trying to distract us, to discourage us, to uh, get us focused on other things, to get us depressed, to get us to just feel like what everyone else is feeling. And God's calling us to more. All right? We should be the ones that are filled with hope. You know, I was, um, one of the things that when I was, uh, the last two years I was in Papua New Guinea, we lived in a village up in the, in the mountains. And, uh, you know, we got bamboo walls so you can, uh, they can hear everything we do inside. They can hear everything. I can hear everything outside of that. Uh, bamboo walls are not soundproof. And my house was about 10 feet away from the church. And uh, there was a group of old ladies, God bless them. Uh, that like to meet in the church a lot, uh, and uh, and they um, they had the uh, they they like to do they they like to practice a dance that was on a cassette tape uh, music that they had and it was uh, and it was uh, Ancient of Days with Ron Canoli, right? I don't know if you guys know Ron Canoli, all right? Okay, I used to like Ron Canoli, but <laughs> but when you get it uh, at 4 a.m. right and and they're playing it, blasting it in the church. But one of the songs that the um, that the old ladies loved, all right, there was a there's uh, the language. There's 800 languages in Papua New Guinea, so but there's a trade language that everyone speaks called uh, Melanesian Pidgin, and so man, worship songs of Melanesian Pidgin, it's like it's just the best. And so and so of course I I speak that language, and and uh, one of the songs, uh, it it was a song that was all about heaven, all right? It was just all about going to heaven, which I don't know. I don't hear that many worship songs about heaven anymore. But do you know that we have something to look forward to beyond this life, right? We have something. I mean, there's a place where there's no pain. There's no tears. You know, there's no more sickness. There's no more disease. There's no, there's no, you know, there's no, uh, there's no disunity. There's no, there's no tension. There's no division. We have something to look forward to. And, and I was thinking about this because I lived in this village and, and I, wa- I watched these old, older ladies. Many of them were widowed or their husbands had left them a long time ago. They get up at, you know, at really early, like I said, and then they, they go garden and they have a very simple lifestyle. And it's tough. It's hard on their bodies. And, and, um, but th- when this one song would come on where it would say, it, it said, you know, aspres you, me no timba me come back. And what it means is like, hey, I want to go home. And I ain't ever coming back. This world full of evil. <laughs> I want to go home. All right? And now, and now, you know, the younger people, you know, we, we like that song too. 
I, I, can st- I still consider myself young, but whatever, right? You know, and, but man, when that, when that song came on and it kind of had a beat to it and whatever, and the old ladies, like these old ladies that, you know, you kind of, they walk slow and all this stuff, and then that song comes on and they just start dancing, right? You know, like, this is my jam. This is it, right? Uh, but what it spoke to me was like, man, even if your life was, even if your whole human life is hard, even if your whole life on earth was hard, you still have something to look forward to. I mean, man, we, I, I go to places, you know, you, we, I, we, I've seen different kinds of poverty. I mean, you know, I take teams on, on uh, in the countries and stuff. I take Americans that they go, oh, yeah, I ain't rich. You know, I'm poor. I'm just a poor American. And then they go and then they see poverty on another level that they have, have not seen before. Right. And and you go. You go there, and pe- sometimes Americans go into shock. Like, they really don't have any way of, like, coping with what they're witnessing, the kind of suffering that they're witnessing, all right? I mean, it's not just culture shock. It's just, it's like PTSD. It's like, it's traumatic, okay? And, and, um, and, and sometimes, uh, you know, a lot of things, when, when, when Americans go out on missions trips, they, they go, man, the people there, they're just so happy, or they're just so this. It's like, you know what, actually, they're probably not. They're just gracious. But they do have a hope. <laughs> you know, there's people that have a hope, and, and they understand this hope is not about this life. <laughs> they have a hope that goes, man, even if this life is bad, God is still good. Even if there's things that are rough that I don't understand, that I can't explain, God is still good. And those old ladies taught me something. They taught me something about hope, that man, because if I let my hope go up and down with the ebb and flow of my own life, it's always going to be up and down, up and down. But if my hope is in eternity and in the hope of glory and in God who doesn't change, who, as the verse says, right, the same yesterday, today, and forever, then our hope doesn't need to go up and down. First Peter 1.13, it says, I'll read it to you. It says, therefore, gird up the loins of your mind. Right? This is interesting. <laughs> right? What are the loins? Those are the kind of the, that's like the underwear, right? <laughs> that's like the parts that cover up the private parts. Okay? Therefore, gird up the loins of your mind. Be sober and rest your hope fully upon the grace that is to be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. That when we get grace in our life, right? I mean, look, we all know, I, I hope you've realized you can't do this on your own, right? I, I know for me, it's like, hey, God said, be holy as I am holy. And I'm like, oh, well, I'm, ho- I'm hosed, right? I can't do that, right? I can't do that. I can't be holy in my own strength. I need the grace of God and that his blood <laughs> covers me and washes me clean. And that when that happens, he's saying, now you gotta, you got to protect what's between your two ears and gird up the loins of your mind. All right? Gird up them and rest your hope upon the revelation of Jesus Christ. That there's something that has to happen in here that when we say, hey, I'm a follower of Jesus Christ, then we need to be someone that, that, that puts our mind upon him in such a way where we go, I, that, that there's hope in me. There's hope in Jesus Christ. 
and it's only by his grace. You see, I believe that one of the big techniques of the devil is that he wants to, he wants Christians to lose hope because if we aren't feeling that hope inside of us, then how motivated are we going to be to share hope with others? It's a trip. He wants us to get so focused on our own problems, our own, our own struggles, things that are still going on, and yet God would want to come to you and speak over you and say, but I have a future and a hope. There might be some things ahead. You might have 40 years of captivity in this physical body, and you might have some different things, and man, I don't know all the reasons why God lets certain things happen and not, and, but I know he's a God who heals and delivers. And well, I will always, always contend for the healing and for the deliverance. But I also know we live in a broken world, don't we? And I live in a broken body. As much as I would like to deny that it is not declining, it is. <laughs> it's like when I go play pickup basketball after I haven't played for a few years and think I can still do what I used to do. That's a good reminder. But I understand that the ending for us, the ending for us, and I don't think I gave you guys this verse, but in Revelations chapter 7, we know there's this vision of the throne room of God. And this is why I love missions, because, because Revelations tells us that every kind of people are going to be bowing their knee to Jesus Christ. It says in verse 9, After this I looked, and there before me was a great multitude that no one could count from every nation, tribe, people, and language, standing before the throne and before the Lamb. They were wearing white robes and were holding palm branches in their hands, and they crowd, cried out in a loud voice, Salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. I love this picture because, uh, because it's every people. There's a vision of people from every group, and I know that's one of the things that, you know, and, and forgive me, just uh, I got to do my plug for missions, but, you know, if, if it's on your heart to do something like that, I'd love to talk to you, all right, and, uh, and we can talk to your uh, pastor as well, unless it's the pastor that's feeling the call right now, so, uh, but I want to be part of that, I want to be part of making that throne room happen, right, of having people from every tribe, tongue, and nation bowing before the Lord, celebrating, man, I'm saved. You know what? That's, that's what the book of Revelation is about. I know there's a lot of stuff in Revelation where it's like, what is that? That's crazy. End of world's going to be crazy. I, yeah, it is. Okay? But, but let's not lose sight that we win in the end. All right? That our, our Lord triumphs, and he has given us the victory that we can live out now in our spirits. And so let's be a people of hope. And let's be a people that spread hope. And let's spread it in our own neighborhoods, our own communities. Let's be a part of spreading it around the world. I'll, you know, we had a conference this weekend, and um, Ted, the other guy sharing at Restoration this morning, he's my boss. He, uh, but one of the things that he talks about all the time, and I do too, is that, man, there's still in this world, in between northern Africa, Middle East, India, all the way over to China, that region of the world, there's still 3.1 billion people that don't even know who Jesus is. I don't mean like they heard the gospel and then they said, no, thank you, all right? They just never even had a chance. And if we are people that go, well, I'm just trying my best to follow Jesus, but I don't really have much hope for the future, 
we're not going to get them. It's not going to spread to them. It's not going to spread to our families, that st- the members of our family that still don't serve Jesus right now. Right? It's not going to spread unless we start having a strong belief, <laughs> an assurance of something that is sure, that we go, no, uh, my hope is in Jesus Christ. The hope and glory that is in me. Do you know Jesus Christ? Do you know that hope? Maybe some things have happened where you go, you know what, I think I, think I, I had that hope and then some things happened. And I lost that hope. Let me pray, and then I'm going to hand it to Pastor Jasper. Father, we come before you, and we say, Lord, help us to be people of hope. Not just when we celebrate who you are in church, but in our families, in our communities, in our jobs. Help us to be people that exude a hope for the future. Because, God, in you we have hope. We have hope that is against hope. There's other hopes. People place their, there's a, there's a scripture. Let me find it. In Proverbs 21, 31, it says, You can prepare a horse for the day of battle, but the power to win comes from the Lord. There are many people here today that, uh, in the world that they, they place their hope in the wrong things. But the power to win comes from the Lord. The power for victory in your life comes from the Lord. And that concludes today's sermon. Thanks again for tuning in to the Restoration Foursquare Church audio podcast. We pray that your journey in following Jesus has been encouraged and empowered today. If you would like to learn more about Restoration Church, please visit our website by going to r4sq.org. We pray you have a great week. God bless.